0: And welcome to the Last Ones In Podcast. I'm the host today, Robbie, joined today by E. Hello. Andrea. Hi. But today we watched Grave of the Fireflies, which is a movie we've talked about watching on here for a while, but always kind of came up with excuses because, I I guess fair warning if you've never seen this movie before, it deals with quite a few heavy topics. Hey,
1: hey listen, spoilers, this movie's a bit of a bummer.
2: (laughs) A little bit, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, That's why we always
3: (laughs) ended up avoiding, because it always was like... We would watch another extremely sad movie, and we were like, oh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of Grave of Five Eyes, and I'd be like, yeah, I still haven't watched that, and they're like, no, oh, we need to do that, but like, you can't like do a bummer movie, and then the next week do another bummer movie. Yeah. It's, that's it, That happened once in February,
1: our first
0: year, and it was <laughs> it, awful. Yeah, Dry was just like, yeah, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> what was, if
1: we just have four real sad movies <laughs> in a row, guys?
0: It is, it is not advisable. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I guess next week we'll be watching American History X. No, I'm kidding. I've unfortunately seen it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we don't have to watch it then. We've all seen it. We
3: bring my dad on to watch (laughs) it. Oh, boy. Actually, I I feel like he might like it.
0: Honestly. American History X? Yeah. Maybe. I think he would like it. Yeah. I know it's divisive counting on who you ask because- My mom would hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, whenever I was living in Utah, uh, I remember we were talking about that movie with a friend and one of them was like, yeah, I can't watch that movie. It's just too much. And I was- or she said it was too racist. I was like, yeah, but it's kind of trying to prove the point that it's an- why racism is bad. And she just looked at me. and She's like, yeah, but as a black woman, it's really hard to watch that movie. And I really can't argue with her about that because yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed I'm not a black woman, so I can't really ta- speak for her.
1: I didn't um, want to say anything.
3: Bold thing. There, We are all not black. I yeah. know. I know the way we talk. It might. It might come across that way. Yeah, a lot of people are confused. <laughs> yeah, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, I guess it was Eve was the only one who hadn't seen this movie yet because yeah. both me and Dry had watched it. I, I bought this movie a long time ago because I just randomly found it at a um. Kind of the equivalent of like what we have here is a movie store. There's a place called Fye. Apparently, it's mostly just like a Utah thing. <laughs> but. Fye. Fwee. Yeah. F-Y-E, for your entertainment. I, I want
3: to open, like, an old retro game store and just call it
1: Fwee F-W-I-I-I. Like, what does that mean? Um, what do you
0: mean?
2: Welcome to F-W-I-I!
0: You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to F-I- or F-Y-I. Is like, you're not saying it right. What do you mean I'm not saying it right? It's F-W-I-I! <laughs> yeah, I'm not calling it that. But that's what it's called. <laughs> and, like, every time, you know, it has, like, the bells
3: when you, like, open a door. So that mind goes to, like... <laughs> To, like the confetti thing, and it's like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's every time it definitely
0: wouldn't get annoying, totally, especially for anyone. It's like <laughs> some poor teenager who's just trying yeah. to work there to pay through, you know, getting stuff for high school, yeah,
3: especially not by, like
1: low, low minimum wage workers, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. that's what they love to hear. They love gimmicks,
0: <laughs> oh, man. yeah, anyways. Uh, this one's. A little bit harder to find, like just in general, like if you can find a physical copy, it's probably the best way to watch this movie. uh when it comes to streaming online, I guess like every now and then someone will try to post it up on YouTube, like if you don't really care about that, but legally, the only way to really watch it streaming online is through voodoo for two ninety nine and according to Jiraiya, it's only the dub, so if you're subs over dubs, then this is not the preferred way to watch it. I think even if you're
3: dubs over subs, it sounds like it's not the preferred way to watch it, according to Jiraiya.
0: Yeah,
1: so that's how I had to watch it, Yeah. because we didn't get to watch this one together. So I rented it on Vudu, and um, there, the voice acting... They tried, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> bless their hearts. <laughs> to be fair,
0: like 1980s anime voiceovers were notoriously bad. Yeah, it wasn't. It
3: wasn't good. It wasn't the like when Disney just bought a bundle of Ghibli movies, right? It was before then, or do you know? I have no. So idea. So this is before.
0: Uh, technically, this is not a Ghibli movie. Uh, technically, it's um, a Miyazaki sen- uh, Sentai film or film work because it wasn't Miyazaki. It was oh. Iso Takihata. I think is how hey, you pronounce yeah, his name. Okay. Uh, who's one of the co-founders of Ghibli, uh, but it's before he, uh, you know, found it with Miyazaki. Okay. Miyazaki. Miyazaki. <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah. So this is technically a Sentai film work, but it just like retroactively became a Ghibli movie because so it's insane, one of the co like, like big Sentai is. Like yeah. thinking about it, how old it is too. Yeah. Uh, this one was done in 1988. Okay. Which mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it came to the Americas until about 1992. Uh, probably, I'm going to say 1988,
3: there might have still been a little bit of a a soreness in terms of what this movie's about.
1: Yeah, it was only about 40 years after that, so, yeah.
3: yeah.
0: So, probably was still pretty fresh in people's minds. Right. Well, part of it was that, and I think another part of it is, I feel like during the 80s, it was hard for people to, like, look at animated films seriously still. Actually, I would
3: say in the 80s, they were more
1: willing to than now. For sure. You had a lot of like more adult themed animation, I would say, yeah. back in like the 80s I mean, and 90s. Was well, it you, Fritz the, in cat the Cat or whatever? Yeah, I was going to say,
0: in the 70s and 80s, you did have more adult oriented, but you, most of it was like sexual in nature. I think yeah. the
1: thing that ended up happening actually is because it's the Flintstones thing, right? Yeah. It's Flintstones yeah. effect is that like Flintstones was a comedy and like Flintstones was huge, so everywhere. And Flintstones was huge in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Still. So you would see like a lot of adult animation, stuff like that. And then it was. The satire shows, The Simpsons, The Family Guys that came in and made it were like, if you're an adult cartoon, then you gotta be comedy and like be a parody on the thing, right? So, but yeah. this
0: definitely isn't comedy though either, is what I'm saying. And like most right. of like said, like Fritz the Cat are being that example. Like you know, it, in a weird way, it was like kind of protesting war and the Vietnam War and like things that happened there. Mm-hmm. But it was also like very hugely sexual and like had to make a joke yeah. about everything. Right. That's what I'm yeah. saying.
1: Like as time went on, it just became like. You gotta be family guy or you gotta be American. Yeah, I right.
0: I'm, I'm just saying, um there
3: there was a heavy shift in around the nineties. Yeah. Right. Where the, everyone was like, no, nah, animation's for kids. We just decided this arbitrarily. Yeah. Well, I guess technically you gotta blame Hanna Barbera, but like that stigma was for a while yeah. after even because I uh, mean
0: arguably it's still a stigma counting on who you talk no, to. No, it's but... super is still a stigma. A, a stigma, <laughs> a sigma, stigma. A
2: stigma stigma. If it stigma. wasn't stigma. a
3: stigma, there wouldn't be a specific animation category. For right. the Oscars, and they're not allowed literally anywhere else.
1: Beauty and the Beast, one though,
2: yeah,
3: best picture—the only one that got to win—and immediately they added an animation category after because they got scared.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I wonder if. Uh, well, no, because it's best. It, I was going to say, I wonder if uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is going to be in for best picture, but it isn't the subject category for animated. Yeah, so it can't be. It it's insane because like. Animated is the only
3: one where there seems to not be allowed to be crossed.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Hmm. I wonder what that is.
3: Yeah, mm. I wonder. Hmm.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Anyways, uh, enough about me being salty about people not treating animation with respect.
1: Yeah, the Oscar stream hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I I have somewhat more like stake in this one because I'm gonna be cheering hard for Pinocchio because I think that's either the... unless Puss in Boots makes it, I might cheer for that one if that if it's if it met the deadline, right? You watched that, didn't you? Yeah, I just watched that. Was uh, it good? I've yes. heard it's.
0: I heard it's really good. It's like, really good. Better than it should be. Level of good. It might be the
3: best Shrek related media. I know that doesn't mean anything to Jiraiya, <laughs> Yeah, but like <laughs> people who like Shrek, I think it might be better than Shrek Two.
0: Don't yeah. like. I still well, need I to marinate s- with it, but like. Yeah, from what I've heard, people who like Shrek movies like absolutely adore this movie, and then people who don't really like Shrek movies are like, "Yeah, this is better than it kind of deserves to be in a yeah. way." beautiful animation
3: uh, i have a feeling dry might not like the animation cuz it does some stuff that he doesn't like but mm.
2: yeah okay
3: uh, as is with dry mm-hmm. anyways uh back cool. to sad stuff yeah back to sad stuff <laughs> shrek <laughs> <laughs> it is very sad what dreamworks did to shrek
1: yeah yeah let it keep happening
0: hey yo all right grave of the fireflies Robbie it's <laughs> yeah. so, grave of the fireflies uh this movie was done in 1988 uh, the only place you really can stream it is voodoo. Other than that, like if you want to watch it uh in its original Japanese dialogue, you have to like, get the DVD apparently, which we found out the hard way. Yeah. And but yeah. it just kind of is what it is. N- nevertheless, like I think we can all agree it's definitely a movie worth watching. Yeah. Um If it, only it, it there was there. like a
3: service someone could pay for that let you watch things maybe available in other countries, but not in this one. But I don't think the technology's there yet. Not until they pay us, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's rated PG and is 89 minutes long. So that's also nerd. It's to... rated
1: PG. I don't know if a kid would really like watching this movie, though. No, they wouldn't like it, I don't no. think. You, they could. There's yeah. nothing inherently terrible about it. At, I mean, Facebook. thematically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> they a kid's like it. not going to like
3: it. No. Yeah. I, I always wanted to just give it a PG-13 just because I think when you're 13, you
1: might be able to appreciate it. Maybe. Maybe. It's still kind of young. If like... I were 13 and
0: watched this movie, I would have hated it. I would have been sad. <laughs> <laughs> to all of that i guess i shall read the back of the box as the empire of the sun crumbles upon itself and a rain of fire bombs fall upon japan the final death march of the nation is echoed in millions of smaller tragedies this is the story of Seta and his younger sister setsuko two children born at the wrong time in the wrong place and now cast adrift in a world that lacks not the care to shelter them but simply the resources Forced to fend for themselves in the aftermath of fires that swept entire cities from the face of the earth, their doomed struggle is both a tribute to the human spirit and the stuff of nightmares. Beautiful, yet at times brutal and horrifying. That sums it up really well, honestly. Yeah, pretty
1: good. Back of the box. Which, to I we... would describe this movie as being. It would be brutal.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and it's one of those things. I was telling my mom that we we're gonna be watching this movie this week, and I was describing it to her, and she was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting. Like maybe we, sh- maybe next time you come down, we can watch it." And I was like, "I need to." tell you right now this movie is brutally depressing
2: mm-hmm.
0: not a happy
3: movie it is mm-hmm. not
0: like in any way shape or form a happy no. movie uh,
3: slight spoilers there's not even like a silver lining to this movie it's just brutal
1: no there's a silver lining the Americans are coming <laughs> like I said there's not a
0: silver lining to this movie. There's not really a whole lot when it comes to silver linings of this movie. Even like even doing research to like, you know, have more of some of the facts of this movie and everything, like there's still not a whole lot of silver linings of it. Mm. No, nah, man. But like it's kind of a story that still needs to be told. Yeah.
3: To... I think I would honestly argue it probably needs to be told now more than like when it came well, not more than when it came out, <laughs> but like uh it's kind of the thing where ultimately we're at a point where most of the people who were alive during World War II, um, are not anymore. I think very few and far between. Very few are left. That's a terrible way to phrase it. I apologize. They get old. They die. That's what happens, <laughs> yeah, <own plan>. yeah. <laughs> But like, um, so you kind of get that dissonance a lot of times, especially. I it's something I definitely real saw a lot during um like middle school history because mm. you know kids are stupid. Yeah. But like, without that kind of ground, like to know, like. Your grandpa was during, there during the war or any of that. Uh, there's a lot of desensitization of, like, the World War, where you think, oh, it was, like, a long time ago, but... It wasn't that long ago. No, it really wasn't. Like, it's insane, especially when you, like, think about American history versus world history, mm-hmm. how insignificant American history ends up being, like, in a timeline. Yeah. We're, like, a second
1: in a clock. We're we're nothing. Yeah, we're, yeah. That's why we're still called the great experiment because like <laughs> nobody's sure if this is even working right no. now.
0: <laughs> <We're>, yeah. <laughs> it is one of those things that they say is that if uh, the world, it, the history of the world was a clock, human history would be a minute before midnight.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. But yeah.
3: So I, I do think like, especially as it, as we keep getting farther and farther from the world war, um, we do need more movies like this and more yeah. testimonials. Because ultimately, a lot of the empathy of the time gets lost over
2: time.
1: A lot of the empathy and a lot of the, the story is straight from the mouth of the people. And I think mm-hmm. it kind of... Uh, I mean, looking at things like Band of Brothers, stuff like that, which is something I would never show to E because you don't like war things, and Band of Brothers is like the fucking war thing, basically. Mm-hmm. But like, every episode starts off with interviewing people that the episode was about and like based off of their stories. And it's just nobody's happy the entire mm-hmm. time which is like so crazy to me because it came out just a little after 9-11 and so it's one of those things of like they're all like yeah no war was awful and everybody was having a terrible time alright have a great night and like everybody was up super like super patriotic like the best show ever best thing it's like you guys are like not paying attention to what these guys are talking about mm.
3: they clearly weren't
1: yeah because like every single one of them were, like yeah and then like my best friend I just watched him die and uh then we, well, then we had to go eat lunch <laughs> Jesus Christ!
2: Yeah,
3: it, 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 like that's what I mean about a lot of the dissonance that happens over time, especially like post nine eleven. Yeah, because uh, again, uh, I, I said this many times before. I did not exist in a time without war. Basically, there's no memory I have that doesn't involve
0: being at war, right? At, in the background. I mean, to be fair, even with me and Dria, there's like just a very short period of time that we've lived where there wasn't war. Because I think we were born like towards the end of uh, Desert Storm, and then there was a couple years wherever you know, Bill Clinton era, and then war again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just right back at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to put it
1: in kind of like perspective of timeline, of like people always look at World War II as like this is ancient history. Mel Brooks fought in World War II, right? Walt Disney was making cartoons in World War II. Yeah, he was
0: making propaganda, he was
3: making propaganda in, making propaganda in particular. Yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, Mel
1: Brooks is still alive. Right. He's making more stuff that comes out in March. Like, he's... It's not that long ago. No, it wasn't. <laughs>
3: it, yeah, it's, like, insane to... I, I blame a lot of the American education system, quite yes. frankly. Yeah. Especially, like, uh, I know one of the big things that often gets talked about, especially when you relate to, like, uh, the civil rights movement, those picture, a lot of the pictures that are out there should not be in black and white, and like we need to show the true reality of that stuff. Yeah, we have like obviously World War Two is quite old in regards to like uh, photographs and stuff, and wasn't that, but like even if you think like the next big war for America, the Vietnam, well, <laughs> a little after, not the next one, but like uh, the Vietnam, the next big war, one. yeah, was televised, but mm-hmm. you don't. I mean, because they're scared to show kids this, but you don't like see that. Yeah, you don't. We don't get to see the televised war
1: that happened. You would go to a theater, and before the screening of the movie, it would show you the most recent news of things happening and actual footage of the war. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous.
0: Which I guess actually bringing the civil rights into it too. One thing that a lot of people tend to forget is that Anne Frank and Martin Luther Martin Luther King Jr. were both the same age. They're just dealing with different topics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is gonna be a sad episode. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a lot of historical things that need to be said about this movie too, especially mm-hmm. considering like this does take place like towards the end of World War II in Japan, and dealing with like a lot of what happened for like that last year of the war. Yeah, and th- this movie can't be separated from that.
3: No, th- this movie cannot exist. Obviously, all war movies can't exist with the war they're talking about, but like this movie can't exist without knowing the
0: history and what happened during world war ii Mm -hmm. yeah and that also being said with this um one thing that's talked about when it comes to japan and world war ii a lot was the atomic bombs and Mm -hmm. the bombing of hiroshima and nagasaki but something that's not talked about nearly as often was the air raids that happened and the fire strikes that happened wherever you know uh american planes would just drop uh, these canisters of oil on top of cities and arguably more destruction happened because of that and it's not talked about nearly as often i did come across an article while doing research of this and it turns out that there are like two museums one dedicated to you know the aftermath of the atomic bomb the other one that yeah. are, talks about the cities that were fire, are hit by fire strikes and they're saying that i think by 2016 2015 or 2016 that like 1.5 million people had actually visited the museum for like hiroshima after the bomb dropped, but something like only 15,000 people actually only visited the one with the fire strikes. Yeah. And arguably, like I said, those did way more damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't come up with like very solid numbers on it because the one that uh, kept on coming up over and over again was the largest fire strike that happened uh, to Japan happened in Tokyo. And something like 15 square miles was actually destroyed. And over 100,000 people died. Uh, from that one, which is actually more destructive than the atomic bombs. The one that dropped on Hiroshima killed 70,000. But the main difference was, you know, people were burned alive in firestorms, and with the atomic bomb, people were just vaporized. And...
2: Yeah.
3: One, one last tangent just so we can get back to the movie. Um, I actually had the privilege to be able to visit the Hiroshima, uh, to visit Hiroshima and the museum. It is terrifying. It is generally terrifying one of the things that like is so insane to think about you basically can see the shadows of the people they're still there they're imprinted on the on the f- ground and like everything is so insane to see like just a bare tricycle that had a kid on it when that happened and it's just insane
2: yeah honestly yeah.
0: but like i said like I'm not trying to you know sweep under the rug the atomic bombings or anything like that either but like the thing is is everybody does talk about those because that was the the big thing like no one had ever seen anything quite like that and people had seen firestorms before and what i ended up finding out is uh there were 69 cities that were actually hit by firebombs tokyo just happened to be the one with the most casualties behind it and this one is this movie doesn't even deal with the tokyo fire strikes this one deals with the ones that happen in um not kyoto and uh kobe but uh, yeah, this. I guess we should probably start talking about the movie. I was I gonna ask, like, so. yeah. general first thoughts about this movie. We can, uh, do, we can do that. Yeah, I think
3: Eve. Yeah. Go first. Um. I this movie is so important in so many ways. It's a hard one to sit through because, you know, right away it, it doesn't like even try to kid you in any way. You know how it ends in the first line. Mm-hmm. It lets you know. And you just have to sit there, knowing everything, knowing how it ends. That there's not like something good gonna happen, and you just have to you just have to sit there. And uh, it's what it's a word I like a lot because I think it's such a powerful word. This movie is very melancholic because even like there's little glimpses of like humanity all throughout. That just gets dashed every time because of another raid that happens. And it's so powerful. And it's so hard to, like, discuss with just, like, from a movie standpoint. Because it ultimately is more of a piece of art than a movie. Not that movies aren't art, obviously. But, like, (laughs) I think it's, like, a piece of art first and foremost.
1: I don't know if I would call it any form of entertainment like this is art first because like at the end of the day it's still a movie but i get where you're coming from
0: dry before we start you know getting into the spoilers of this movie uh any initial thoughts yeah i like this movie a lot
1: i think that it hits a lot harder on that first watch than it does on repeated viewings and this could also have a lot to do with me having the dub not wanting the dub. Yeah, that's <laughs> Feeling oh, that's also regret fair. Of only having the dub, uh the voice acting not being great, but there were a lot of moments in it that were just and yeah, maybe I'm just broken. I laughed out loud multiple times just cuz it was so awkward.
0: Yeah. And like I said, I think part of it um I I think I probably just need to watch it with the dubs to like get a good idea of what you're talking about, but Like I said before, I know that like '70s and '80s dub for our Japanese anime was just atrociously bad. Like enough so it's memed about like all the all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the fact that they would even try for a movie like this is kind of shows like the importance of it. But
1: yeah, the one the one thing that I think was hilarious, and I don't remember it being like this weird and awkward in the in the sub, but the part wherever uh, the sister is like crying. And he's like, well, like I can look how great at this I am. Oh. And he's like spinning on the pole. In the American version, he's like, I'm really good at this. Watch. <laughs> and he's like, so, yeah, oh, all right, yeah. And he's like 45 <laughs> seconds of him just spinning around this thing while there's sad music playing and the little girl crying. And I just thought it was the most hilarious thing.
3: I I want to again like this is my first viewing. I want to say that probably is a issue with the dub. Yeah, because in the sub, it it still is awkward, but like intentionally so, and like it's just this really somber moment where you can tell he's just really trying to—he's trying to her, distract like, her a bit while with everything that's going on because they just lost everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like I, a big difference is there—I don't think there's any music during that part. No, there was definitely music. Yeah, so nowhere. I think that's a lot of it because, like, I think you know that it's like trying to be like. Oh, it's playing sad music because it wants me to be sad. Yeah. Whereas I think the sub is a lot, uh, the original is a lot stronger because it's like it doesn't feel the need to do that. Yeah, um,
0: I, th- I think you hear the wind and that's about it.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. No, there's uh, there's sad music. Like, yeah, like the whole time I thought it was fucking hilarious.
2: Yeah,
3: I I think that's probably an issue, and uh, I I forget when the last time I talked about this, but it's one thing that I really hate about. American cinema and sometimes is like they know it's awkward to sit in silence, so they refuse
1: to let you for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah, no, the there wasn't a silent moment in yeah. the entire English dub
3: because um another yeah. uh really I think that's the one thing that modern horror is starting to really get good at is it doesn't feel the need to constantly be like yeah yeah um and uh that was a big complaint a lot of people had about the. Disneyification of the Ghibli movies is they often missed a lot of the tone because they were afraid of having
0: audiences sit there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which I I think happened quite a bit in this English dub.
0: Yeah, there are quite a few... In the subs, there's quite a few moments where there's no music playing. It's just kind of... You sit in silence and have to try to absorb everything that you just saw.
1: Yep, that doesn't happen in the English dub. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) a shame, honestly.
3: Yeah, I. I get why they do it, cause like they're worried about alienating the American uh, audience, but it's a shame they always feel like the need to do stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, I, I get the advantage of I, fi- I got to like be watching anime during the turning point of them actually taking anime seriously, as, <laughs> as shitty as it sounds. Cause like, uh, when I first started watching anime, the doves were like the um. WB Kids dubs and like the Deke dubs. And then as it went on, like Funimation started growing and they finally made proper dubs of stuff that didn't have it before. And you finally got to see the like where they stopped treating the audience stupid. They're like, (laughs) We know you know that Japan's real. Here's (laughs) here's straight up Japan stuff. Well, like the WB Kids dub, there are so many weird changes they did. One is like no text was allowed, ever. What? Like, even if it was English text, because, you know, sometimes Japan just will have, like, a sign that says Burger. Yeah. No text allowed. They removed that. So I mean, weird. there's
0: that or, like, a, that one thing in Pokemon, or whatever, he calls Professor Oak, ok- or I think in the very first episode, and uh, I guess in the English dub he goes, oh, pizza's here, because, you know, Americans, they eat pizza. They don't eat, they don't order yeah. ramen.
3: Well, and, like, the, the iconic thing in the original Pokemon dub, These jelly-filled donuts sure are great as he's holding a rice ball. And it got so bad in later seasons they literally would digitally alter it to like replace it with a sandwich.
2: Yeah. I (laughs) mean they
0: did that and then like Yu-Gi-Oh is another good example, because if you watch the American dub of it, you see every now and then someone will be pointing with like their finger kind of hooked down like that. And the reason why is because in the original Japanese anime, they're holding a gun, but they didn't want to put that in a child's cartoon in America, so they just like digitally altered it to where they're just pointing instead of holding a gun.
1: I don't know how a gun makes it any better, but, like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on with that Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, man?
3: <laughs> oh, I don't know, that was, man. like, a super... So, that one So was... if you're reading the original manga, it's fucking dark.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, things get pretty fucking dark in the original, Uh, like, the original anime and the original manga, they get dark. Like, uh, there is no Shadow Zone, it's just, like, you've missed them for death. Yeah. And, and so like, it's just like I'm not going to send you to the shadow zone. I'm going to fucking kill you is what they're basically saying with that.
3: A very important thing to know um that a lot of people uh as you know, it's changed, don't know. Yu-Gi-Oh was not a card game at first.
2: <laughs>
3: Yu-Gi-Oh was the name of the series and that's why it's the Pharaoh is like the king of games. <laughs> what he would do is like apparently would be extremely shitty and he would challenge them to a game. Huh. And uh if, if you lost, you would... died. Not not always died. <laughs> Sometimes you just, like, irreparably destroy your mind. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, uh, I think that's a very important thing to know, like, when you watch the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh! And, like, why is there good as it worries? Because, like, this was not made for kids. Um, Like, the first manga, like, the original, uh, it's called Season Zero now, retroactively, but, like... <laughs> Uh it dealt with stuff like rape, murder. There's one episode where it's a guy trying to hold up a restaurant that one of the characters works at and like he's trying he's really close to killing everyone. That game's really fun. Uh the Pharaoh challenges him to a game and it's like, All right, you get to use one of your fingers to do anything and he's like, I'm gonna use my pointer finger because i 'cause I'm gonna shoot you. And the Pharaoh's <laughs> like, Ah oh, yeah, that's fair. He's like, Oh, you want me to light your cigarette by the way? And he's like, Yeah. So he, like, turns on the lighter and then just puts it on his thumb. <laughs> because, and, and, like, there's he there's gas everywhere. <laughs> so, like, if he shoots, he'll die. Because <laughs> everything will go up. Yeah. That sounds way better than Yu-Gi-Oh. Honestly, uh, Season Zero is such a different beast that it is really interesting to watch. Hmm.
1: I want to watch that now. Yeah. Anyway, back to this. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs>
3: there will be a lot of that kind of stuff. Because, like, again, you can't, like, separate this from...
0: Uh, the time period and Japan. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I also do really like this movie. and Well, I was going to say enough so that I bought it, but I bought it on a whim because Dryad told me that it was worth buying at the time. And I watched it once and then had a really hard time watching it again until we did this episode. And I, one, I watched it again. Luckily, I got to watch the subs because I own the DVD. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> And also, uh, I did find the original novella online. I read that, too, to kind of compare the two of them. The original story that this is based off of is only about 19 pages long.
3: Really? Yeah. I'm surprised they managed to get this much. Oh, it goes by fast.
0: Like, there's not a lot of talking in the original story. Uh, It's just, like, talking about events.
1: I mean, you don't really need a
0: lot to go with here. Right. I
3: mean, no. I'm just like, that still just surprises me (laughs) that it was only 19 pages. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it is a story dealing with a very heavy topic, and I think it's it is a story that definitely needs to be told, especially considering stories like this were kind of brushed under the rug because it was just kind of what was expected of that time. But it's something, it's a piece of history that needs to be known, and I think it's done beautifully with this movie. Like they did everything. Like it's hard to find fault with like the things that they they do in this movie. Like there's a couple things here and there I can nitpick about like the way like the way they tell the storyline, but. All in all, I I would agree with most people. This is a masterpiece of a movie, but it is hard to get through. Yeah,
3: this is not one you put on every
0: year. No,
3: no. no. But I'd be surprised if anyone can watch this more than like once
0: every five. From what I've seen online, most people who talk about this movie said that like the movie is great, but I can never watch it again.
3: It's yeah, like a lot of the stuff is really hard to yeah. get by, and like it's again, it's so important, especially like something like this because um. We're American, I'm going to just say, <laughs> and uh, our history, as well as most people, don't like to kind of go over the feelings of the Japanese during World War II. Right. Not to brush away the fact that the Japanese were awful during World War II. Everyone was awful during World War II. It's war. Yeah. it was War brings out the worst in everyone. Yes. But, like, it's one of those things, sometimes you got to step back and think, these were people. Mm-hmm. There were people behind all of this. Not just the not just the entity of japan
1: yeah that's that's the one of the things that i think a really good war movie is able to portray is like yeah like everybody's part of like this bigger unit and this bigger thing this bigger fight but when you really go down and like everyone's a real person yeah all mm-hmm. real people with real lives I and think real think that, families
3: like um i talk about not really like war movies um What was was it nineteen seventeen we watched last, or what was
1: the last one we watched? Nineteen seventeen, yeah. Yeah,
3: like that's one thing that's really, like I do end up really appreciating about it is you can tell they're just people, yeah, and like it's really important because um I'm gonna say uh a lot of my distaste with war movies is because most of the war movies I watched growing up were just propaganda, just not gonna sugarcoat it, yeah. (laughs) Um, so like seeing a
0: lot of the veils pulled back is really important too. Yeah, I agree with that. And this kind of tells that side of, this movie in particular is one of those movies that tells that side of just people. It you're not, you know, you're not following soldiers. You're not following, uh, generals. You're not like seeing warships or anything like that. You're following people who are just trying to yeah. survive during this rough time. Uh, so much so I ended up finding out that because of like the war effort and everything that happened with this, the, um, the kids in this are known as a generation of ashes because of how hard the infrastructure was hit with Japan and like how it was just hard to get literally anything, especially food. Yeah, uh, during this time, like that's what they were called because they just all were in a weird way, just kind of suffering the entire way through.
3: Yeah, they went through a really bad recession after the war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll start breaking down this movie. Yeah. So I, I noted this
3: a bit earlier. Um, the movie doesn't pull any punches because the first line in the movie is, or the first scene in the movie is like this kid just kind of slumped on the ground dying and you watch him
0: die. And the first line is like, I died on September 21st, 1945. Yeah. Which would have been about a month after the atomic bombs fell down. Yeah. So like it doesn't pull the
3: punch. It you are already strapped into what you know exactly is going to happen. I think that's so important for this movie.
0: It it does give you a good idea of what to expect for the rest of the movie, too, because on top of, you know, he's sitting against a pole, and he's, you know, malnutritioned, and just has nothing to uh, him, and he's just kind of slumped over. Uh, there are people who are walking past him because he's at a subway station, and one guy walks past him and, like, is kind of struck by. He's like, ah, oh, bum, and keeps walking going wherever you know wherever the hell he happens to be going mm-hmm. and you know like people are just kind of ignoring the fact that there are children dying in the subway of starvation
3: yeah. it's one of, it's so awful to think about but sometimes you just have to go numb yeah. in that in those situations cuz a lot of it's like what can you do not to excuse a lot of what happens and obviously but like that is kind of what your brain ends up having to do just to keep you sane sometimes, which sucks. Not
1: not even just sane, but with how difficult everything was at the time, they can't just take in whoever. Yeah. Everything's rationed. You can't just be like, well, I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of food real quick, because then what are you going to do? You have a family. You have kids. You have a wife. You you can't just... Kindness is not (laughs) really uh, allowed, honestly, because if so, you put yourself in the same situation in that that environment. That's what would happen. It's
0: awful. Yeah. And I will say like one thing that they do say at the uh, in the novelization of this, I should say, even though it's 19 pages (laughs) is uh, because even in the at the beginning of this, like somebody does like leave him food. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that most people who did that are people who before the firestorms rationed off their food and brought it with them whenever they were evacuating. And whenever they brought it back, most of it was rotten already. So they couldn't eat it even if they wanted to. And so, but it just, oh, well, I have this that I had left behind. It's been sitting in a bag for a month out in the sun, but you can have it.
3: Yeah, that actually is a big issue um, that arises a lot when dealing with homeless people. Because, like, I know uh, it's one of those, uh, it was an interview with the, someone who runs those can shelters. Mm-hmm. And they say, it almost is better if people only give us money. Because when you think of people, it's stuff that they don't even want. And there's so much expired food that gets given away. And, like, it, it's insane because, you know, those people feel good. They're like, oh, I did something good. I, I donated it to the charities. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's useless. They literally can't give it to people. It would get them sick.
1: Yeah. Um. With canned food, one of the things that people don't really think about is botulism. And that's, like, way more common in canned food than I think anybody wants to admit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One single dent, and you still eat that
1: thing. You could just be dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, on top of that, it's like what he was saying too, because most people who give canned food to the food shelters, you know, they give like pie filling or canned corn or yeah. canned green beans, stuff that people don't want to eat. And yeah. I think, but like you know, oh, this has been sitting in my pantry for a month. I'll give it away to the food shelter.
3: Ah, uh, peaches. Oh, they're only two years old. <laughs> it's a peach. What could be wrong with it?
0: <laughs> Yeah. God, well, they for some reason they think the syrup that they put in there is gonna preserve it for years on end, but that's not exactly how syrup works. <laughs> I blame
3: some of the media for convincing people that canned food literally lasts forever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah. And then uh back to the movie. Uh something that's like really interesting that doesn't really get revealed later is um there's like all the people kind of disappear and uh as the kid falls over in like the cleaning crew just like poke him and like oh he's dead yeah. and they there's a little can that the kid has and the guy picks it up and like sniffs it and like takes a taste he's like oh what, what the hell is this and it's something that's so beautiful that you realize what it is later and again it's like
0: horrifying to think about yeah well i think the thing about it though too is that he just like tells my god like, oh, leave it like it's not worth uh worrying about and like while well, they're Basically, just clearing the subway station of dead bodies, and yeah. in a way that you can tell if they're numb to it already. Because like they go to another kid, and oh well, tell looking hit. air er, you can tell by the look in his eyes that this one's a goner too. And then he throws the can out into you know middle of a burnt field, and a bone pops out of it.
3: Mm-hmm. It's just kind of
0: crazy. And then
3: it does a really interesting thing where like you see uh, someone like fully enveloped in red come by, who picks up the can and then gives it to uh, a little girl. And uh, it kind of slowly goes into the main part of the story where you realize, oh, that was him, which is like, uh, I know it's not like unique to this movie, the framing device, but it is really powerful in what it's going for. I I think think. it does it well. Yeah. I, I, I the thing that I think really does it for me is like the decision to keep um all the like this part the kind of metaphorical part in completely red and black to really like hammer home what was happening at the time.
2: Yeah.
3: Um so yeah, then it kind of just goes back and it really just kicks you off right into the middle of something.
0: Yeah, it kicks you off with him uh digging a hole and then putting some are putting some food inside of a, a jar a, a jar that's are uh, he's burying underground basically to try to keep safe and they say that there's planes coming and that uh you know they're basically getting ready to be bombed and he's telling his mom you need to get to the shelter like we'll, we'll meet you there and uh while he's like you know getting everything prepared and putting his shoes on and getting are uh, getting his little sister strapped to him uh they both kind of stop cuz like they hear the planes pass overhead and they're thinking like there's a bomb that's going to be dropped and so they brace for impact And then realize that there's not an explosion when they look outside. You see these canisters, which are described as, you know, about two inches in diameter and about 24 inches long, falling from the sky on top of Mm -hmm. them. And all of them filled with oil that's set on fire and is just burning everything around them. And this entire scene is very, very chaotic. With people, you know, some people you can see trying to put out the fire. Some people who are just running away, trying to take whatever belongings they can carry on their back and get out of there.
3: Yeah. Like... I it's very important how chaotic it is, obviously, because of it. It puts the audience right into the middle of everything too, because you're you're also very confused what's happening. Well, confused, <laughs> so, quote unquote. You you know what's happening, but like like just seeing everything, you're like, oh gosh, is every, are they all right? Is everything gonna be fine in the end? Like what's what's gonna happen? And it just follows them as like. They're running towards the shelter, and then this big wave of people start running the opposite way, and it's one of those things where you're like, oh, shit. Like, just all, just really, like, strong,
0: quick feelings with so little dialogue in the start here. Yeah. But it goes to that, and then eventually... I want to say they start following the people, and they end up running to the beach to, you know, because I think it's just kind of that human instinct of like the opposite of fire is water so find water if there's fire nearby Mm -hmm. and so they start running to the beach uh they once they get there he checks up on uh his little sister and she complains that her eyes are burning because well everything's on fire all the yeah there's ash in her eye ultimately yeah then uh right after that happens it starts raining which i guess was actually something that happened during firestorms is you know there'd be so much ash and soot and everything else in the air that it would get up into the clouds, which would cause it to rain. So like it was almost like a black rain, is how they described it, because it was just uh, all the ashes were being gathered up by the clouds and coming back down on them. Mm. So again, just it's so fucked up to think about. It is. It's, it's war. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I try
1: to.
3: I think that specific way of like bombing did end up becoming a war crime, didn't
0: it? I I, I want to say eventually it did, but at that time I think. Yeah, I know. Well, nothing
3: was really a war crime
0: at that time, right? Unfortunately,
3: mustard
1: gas.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> that's about it. I, yeah. the two, the like, thing that was so terrible from World War One, they actually banned it.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, had a nerf, had a nerf it. <laughs> I was also gonna say uh, flamethrowers, but that was actually banned. No, that was World Vietnam.
3: I thought it oh, was. Well, I think it was made no, from right, Vietnam. Right. Yeah, because yeah. they used
0: flamethrowers in Vietnam. Well, they also used it in World War One and World War Two. But yeah. yeah, it wasn't until Vietnam that spraying people with napalm became a war crime. Yeah. Again, uh, as terrible as it was that they broadcasted the war to people, it kind of woke people up to what awful shit we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, all, all that happened. Uh, at this point, they're trying to find their mom and try to figure out like what to do and. End up going to the school, if I remember correctly, to yeah. you know get rations and like do what they you know do everything that they need to do because they're trying to gather up all the people who are still okay and um, family friend ends up um, let's just pull up their names uh, aunt
3: well no this isn't the aunt actually no this yeah. is just a friend of theirs I don't know if they even give her a name really but like she's like oh there you guys are
0: um uh yeah well, seta yeah you need. You like, need to uh, like you need to the, go check up your mom or check on your mom right now. She's hurt. I'll take care of Setsuko.
3: Yeah, and he goes there, and um, his mom is just been completely burned. She's completely bandaged, and it's one of those things. If you know uh, anything about like burns, burn uh, injuries, um, you know that. There's no way that she can really make it out.
1: There's not a lot you can do for intense burn victims, yeah, yeah. honestly. You can give them medicine and make them not hurt as much, but uh, turns out burns hurt a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think it's something
3: insane is basically the like percentage of your body that's burned, you have to take the inverse, and that's your likelihood of survival.
0: Yeah. Which is just... And, well, that's, that's uh, are under proper care, too. Yeah. And yeah. during this time, like the nearest hospital that's available is a city away and they have no way to get her there. Yeah. Cause, uh, they, their hospital got burned down. Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing that he does kind of say in there is because like, even though he's 14 in this movie, uh, he was working in a steel mill at that time, which was almost a throwaway line that said, they say later on, like you only hear about it maybe once or twice, but you know, his school was burned down. The place that he was working at after school got burned down. His home is gone. Like they even talk about it at one point in time where she, like he, they're looking around like, oh yeah, uh the place that we used to go to eat is our burned down. It used to be right over there. And like she asks, like, well, what about our home? He's like, That's probably gone too. And you do see like scenes in the background of just like everything on fire.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so uh at this point, um he doesn't tell Setsuko
3: the truth, 'cause um, what do you really do with like a four year old? That's it's one of those things that's always like I definitely don't know what I would do in those situations, because it's always hard, like, how much do you let them in on? Right. It's so, like...
1: I think a four-year-old, you don't let them in on much.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of the way he's dealing with it, is like, oh, well, you know, she's recovering or something. He's like, oh, we'll see her in a couple of days after she feels better. Mm-hmm. and she just keeps on saying, like, no, I want to see mom, and uh, that's whenever he's trying to distract her, and yeah, apparently that's his, where the <laughs> that's scene. apparently what made Drya laugh, was, like, while he's trying to distract her, and she's crying, he's, yeah. it, it sounds like it's just the delivery from the dove that mostly guessed <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it up, Yeah. Which, uh, but yeah, it, it honestly yeah. is, in the subs, a very somber moment, wherever, like, you know, he's swinging around on this bar, trying to keep her entertained, and trying to keep her distracted, and meanwhile, like, she, like, I guess the gravity of the situation is hitting a four-year-old, yeah. In this. And, Kids had to grow up yeah. more. And with him being, you know, 14, 15 years old at this point, he had to grow up super fast because not only does he have to take care of himself, he has a four-year-old sister to take care of. And, yeah. uh, and
3: So this is, eventually they're like, all right, we got to go live with
0: our aunt then. Yeah, because they're like, well, you're still a kid, so someone needs to take care of you. He's like, well, we have a distant cousin that lives nearby. like Yeah, the next get, town over. Yeah, next town over, like she can take care of us and they go over there to live with her. And once again, a little bit of a detail. It wasn't until I read the story that I didn't even like really pay attention to it, but they do show it in the actual movie is like one, the aunt doesn't treat them very well, like at all. But like, uh, another thing that she does is she's not feeding them very well either. Cause she has a husband and a daughter that are both working during this time, and if you notice, whenever she's, like, pouring soup for them and everything, that she'll go down to the bottom of the bowl, you know, try to get the meat and the rice that's on the bottom, and put it in a bowl for her husband and her daughter, but she just skims the top of it to where, like, they get the leaves and the broth for mm-hmm. both, uh, you know, for the protagonist and little sister in mm-hmm. this.
3: Which, of course, goes back to what Jirai is Jariah ulti- was saying earlier, ultimately, is, like, you have to make a choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is she was making the choice of like, oh, I'm going to choose my family over you because I barely know you two. Yeah. Barely know you two. And you what are you doing for the yeah. war effort? She, yeah.
3: That, yeah, that's her ultimate thing of trying to justify it to herself is she's mm-hmm. like, well, he's he's a bum. He's not doing anything. This 14-year-old.
0: Yeah, because like she asked him, like, how come you're not working? He's like, well, I was working at a steel mill, but that got burned down. and my school got burned down too. So I don't know what I'm doing right now. (laughs) It's like,
1: you're annoying. Don't you have a place to be like, don't you like school got burnt down? Where do you want me to? Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I think what makes it worse though too, is he goes back to, you know, his burnt down house and he digs up that jar that he had in the backyard to like, you know, get all the food that he had rationed out to, and he brings it to the house thinking like, oh, well if I bring food, then we can all share it together. And it gives hints in the movie that the ant is just kind of keeping it for the, her family and not feeding them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you kind of get it with the uh, Setsuko saying like that she's getting tired of eating bean paste basically because that's all that she's feeding them is yeah. rice and bean rice, paste. porridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also,
1: this movie does not do a good job of convincing me that sour plums are good. I don't, <laughs> no, because Pickled he, plums. Yeah, pickled, pickled plums. Because
0: yeah. he pops one in his mouth and he makes a face and- it doesn't look like a, mm, that was so good face. It looks like a, that's gross, but I got to eat. I mean, at the same time, I think that's definitely, like, an Asian
1: thing. It more is. More than an American I had to look thing. it up, and it's it's apparently, like, the saltiest and also the sourest thing ever.
3: To be fair, you're not supposed to just pick one up and eat it. You, sure. like, eat it with rice. Yeah. yeah. Which is going to, like, take some of the flavor. or Yeah, take some, some, some of, of the, the bite flavor, out of yeah. it. Out. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, they're just kind of living with the ant, and the ant's, like hey, if you don't like what I'm doing, why don't you go do it yourself, huh?
0: And then he does. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, fuck you. Well, I guess before that, one thing is the aunt convinces him to like, well, like, because he does reveal to yeah. the aunt that like, he's like, because she asks like, when is your mom going to get better? And he's like, she's not, she's dead. And there is like a very quick scene of them uh taking, you know, the mother's body and putting it into like basically a, a burn pit mm. with a bunch of other people who died during the fire, the fire strikes. And, uh, yeah, again, one of those things with the war, people
3: died faster than they could dig grave.
0: Yeah. But uh, the aunt ends up suggesting, like, well, like your mom's not going to need these kimonos anymore. How about you sell them and you can get some rice? And she's, I think it's like a toot of rice is what she calls two, it. Two ton? Two tuts of rice or something? Yeah. Two jars. Once That's again, it just- doesn't really tell you in the movie because it just was something that they knew back then, but it's roughly about like a five-gallon barrel of rice is what uh, he got for those kimonos. And once again, she stores it all for her family and gives them barely anything. Yeah, them a jar. Pull, yeah, yeah, one jar.
1: Yeah. Like, here's your share.
0: Yeah. And then goes back to complain that they're not doing anything for the family. And honestly, like, if you're paying attention, you can still see some signs of malnutrition of both of them because, yes. like, they're not being fed yeah. by the sand. They're, they're twigs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you, once again, you pay attention, you can see, like, what they started out with. Like, you know, both of them had, you know, somewhat rosy cheeks and they were kind of well-built and... You can see them start getting more and more frail as the movie yeah. goes along. Well, Cecile
3: extremely like heartbreaking because you see how like pale she starts to get. Yeah,
0: like where all the only color she has is her cheeks at, at that point. Mm-hmm. But even while they're living at the or with the ant, uh, was that scene on the beach uh, where you know you see people gathering up seawater so they can make sea salt because salt is being rationed out. Yeah, and uh, you know they take off their clothes and they go right out into the middle of the ocean. You can see like these pink marks on her back. Yeah. Which was a signs of, you know, malnutrition and things are starting to go bad.
3: Yeah. And like, that's a kind of a constant thing. Like there's a time when they have to go to the shelter and like, she's always very upset because she says it's too hot, but like, she's like constantly itching her
0: back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And something it's not mentioned as much in the movie. It's kind of, but only like here and there, but in the book they make a bigger deal about the fact that mosquitoes and lice were a big problem yeah. during the, this time. The,
3: I I would say they show it in the movie more than they like yeah they use the medium well yeah
0: um so
3: yeah uh at this point uh what it's kind of this thing of um them trying to figure out how to live after this like they're they can pull out some money from their mom's checking account
1: but ultimately that also winds up not being very useful either yeah because eventually All trade is shut down. Yeah, because everything is rationed from everybody, even the
0: farmers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because during this time, they find an old bomb shelter that isn't being used, and they're like, you know what, we can just live here. Like we don't have to worry about the ant. Like we can live at like how we want. And you know, he's borrowing a cart from one of the farmers and brings it back to him and says, like, hey, like, could I buy some food from you? And he's like, well, like, I I can sell you some rice and some beets. I think is what it was. And he's Mm -hmm. like, no, some turnips. He's like, but this is the last of it, though. And sells them that, and then eventually gets to that point of, like, they have money, but no one will take money for goods during no, this time because everything's rationed out.
3: 7,000
0: 7, yen, which it,
3: I don't know the exchange rate back then. That's essentially $70 now, and that was in 1945.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, From what I was reading, they are saying, like, a yen was basically a dollar. Back okay, then, well, so. that was very good then. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't do him any good, though, no. at this point. Like it
3: Yeah, if there's nothing, ultimately money's... It kind of goes to money's not inherently worth
0: anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's something I've had to explain to people. Like, with, this is very, very much a current problem. But like, some older people I've had to try to explain to them how Bitcoin works, and they're like, "But there's nothing that holds it to its value." And I was like, "Yeah, that's why it's so volatile because there's literally nothing holding its value." That always makes me laugh too, because
3: like, nothing is holding actual money to a value either we just decided together
1: we decided gold's cool right we all like gold everyone wants yeah. a bunch of gold well that's what we're basing this piece of paper on yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and to be fair like the reason why it became the gold standard is, is because like from you know the rocks and the caves to the a gold bar like there's a lot that they have to do to process it to make it to that point but like that's reason why is because it took hard work and a lot of people really wanted it so mm-hmm. that's why it became the standard but even then like if people decided like gold's worthless then the money becomes worthless cuz it's on the standard of gold. Yeah. Um
1: uh, Spaniards, I think their entire system is based off of silver and then
0: at a certain point everybody decided silver's not as cool, so their yeah. economy just crashed. I mean, there was a town that we grew up that I want to say nearby, but like 40 miles away wasn't nearby. But they <laughs> yeah, had it's nearby in America. Sure, but I was going to say that um because there's a silver mine up there. We there's a museum dedicated to that silver mine up there. Last I heard, it's not active anymore. Like they tried making it active again, uh, maybe like ten years ago, but they ended up shutting that back down again because uh, they need the price of silver to go up to justify people going in there and mining silver. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah,
3: uh, everything's getting rationed. Uh, there's like, there's a bunch of like little scenes that really show everything. Like there's a there's one point where they go to get rations. And they're given the rice, and it's like a quarter of a bag of rice, and that's all the food they get for
1: months. months. Yeah.
3: yeah, it's like this is, is it? it. That's could, ration yeah, for this,
0: people. This is the last for July, I think, is what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, I think, with the four people that are in this house right now, we could probably we could easily eat that much rice in one sitting. I yeah. probably could eat that much rice. Yeah. Me and Robbie yeah. both could probably just eat a quarter bag of rice. I think probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But it, <laughs> enough it, about it, our <laughs> terrible eating stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it basically goes into like cool, like what are we gonna do for this? And like they even start debating on like what they could or could couldn't eat while they're in that yeah. bomb shelter. Like he even asks her like maybe I maybe we can eat that bullfrog. Like, why would you eat a bullfrog? He's like, well, why not?
2: Yeah, and like, like, they yeah. just
3: have to. Like there's little pits where you just see what they're eating. and It's like dried frogs, random berries they yeah. find.
0: Sometimes they can catch fish, but like there's a couple snails that they have boiling in a pot. Yeah. Um. Because like there's some kids that are are playing and they run by the shelter and they look at the food and like who would eat this?
3: Yeah. Like it's like just fermented beans is just sitting yeah. and soaking in a in water in a pot. Not the water's not on. The, the water's not on. <laughs> the pot's not boiling right. at that point. They're just kind of soaking, it's just soaking in water. Hey, when I'm my water on. <laughs> I, I'm assuming probably just to try to get the stink off of it. Honestly, probably. Um. Yeah. Like it's a lot of their them just trying to survive, and like it does this thing where like there's little glimmers of happiness that they can find. Yeah. Like, one of the, I mean, the scene that it's basically named after is there's a little scene where like they're setting everything in the little sister's like, it's, it's too dark in there. He's like, why don't we catch some fireflies? And it's just this beautiful scene where like they caught a bunch of fireflies and let them go into the shelter and fly around to create light for them. And like, it's just a really nice somber scene of the two of them having a little bit of joy and it immediately cuts the next day where they have to bury all of the fireflies. Well, they don't have to bury them, but you know yeah,
0: what I mean. Yeah, where Setsuko uh, decided she wanted to bury them to like, yeah, and makes that whole or makes that statement that people, whenever they laugh about this movie, would say, It's just like, why do fireflies have to die so young? Yeah. Well, and like, ultimately,
3: it's one of the things you need to like. That makes more sense in context because like, her she immediately talks about how like she's putting them in the grave, just like mommy's in a grave now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. at and some then, point, the aunt just told her.
0: Which is the first time that you see Making sure I'm getting Seta. his name right. <laughs> yeah, Seta. It's the first time you actually see him cry during this whole thing, because he's trying yeah. to put on a brave face throughout this entire time. That's the first time that he just takes a moment and actually breaks down. Like you just can't keep up the facade anymore. Yeah, it's, um it's hard. Like, yeah. Like and like the thing is, is like during this time apparently dying of starvation was rather common which is a horrifying thing to think about
3: there's nothing to there's no rations there's nothing like it's wartime all this good stuff's going to the army going to the war effort there
1: yeah. weren't a whole lot of places in the world during world war ii where things were going great right
0: <laughs> i mean even in the americas like a lot of the great oh, depression yeah well no great depression was before all
1: the effects were still being felt
0: yeah well I was going to say a lot of the things that they did to like ration things out during World War II are still being like felt in waves today even Uh, between like you know the fact that nothing has sugar in it anymore everything has high fructose corn syrup in it and that's because of the war effort Uh, things that were made out of copper at one point in time are now made out of steel because of the war effort and like things like that like
3: there's so many of the food we have is because of the war effort yeah Yeah.
0: a lot of the processing that we do with Mm food is because of that war effort war
3: effort gave us M&M's and Spam
1: Yay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> great together, you know. <laughs> uh, you could definitely cook Spam well. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of great things you can do with Spam. Yeah, it's just so salty.
1: Just wish there was something good you could do <laughs> with an m M&M. m
0: <laughs> You could eat it. Ugh. You could put it in a sandwich. Maybe. Yeah, we were just talking about M&M and Spam sandwiches. What are you talking yeah, well, about? Yeah, come on. <laughs>
3: but yeah, I mean, like, um, yeah, it's one of those things that's like, hard, again, Like as we get so far away, it's so hard to re realize a lot of that those things happen. Yeah,
0: a lot of the human suffering that happened because of the world wars. Yeah, because like
3: everyone in the town's struggling. Like you could sell, like even the farmers, you see them solely kind of degrading because like there's a line in it where he's trying to get the farmer to sell him rice and he's like I'm a farmer but I only have rice enough for my family. Yeah,
0: yeah. I only have enough for me even. Yeah. And he even tells like I have money, I will pay you. And he's like I, I can't take it, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so... Desperation sets in, and like, uh, ultimately leads a lot to like. There's a point where, uh, he just has to steal, yeah, because that's all he can do. Well, because right after that happened, uh, there's another air raid that happened, mm-hmm. and they had to dodge a bu- or some bullets and went into a tomato field, and that's when he kind of realized like, if we're gonna eat today, we're gonna have to just steal the food and start s- stealing tomatoes off the vine. And yeah, at one point in time, like they're walking back to their shelter, and she's holding potatoes, and he's holding some other food in a bag, and. Someone watches as uh, Setsuko watch or drops some potatoes and just kind of like giving him that glare, like "Where did you get those?" And she just grabs them and runs away. Yeah, and then even with all of that, the, um, uh, there's still a lot. Just, yeah, there's still a lot of scenes where they just keep on saying, "I'm hungry," like because at the end of the day, they just, they just don't have enough to eat, and it eventually gets down to Setsuko starts to get sick, and so I mean,
3: Chico's kind of was
0: always. Well, even issue. more so, this is around the time that she says, I've been having diarrhea. Yeah. And he tries to steal some sugar cane in the middle of the night to, you know, try to make her something to make her feel a little bit better. And the farmer catches him mm-hmm. and starts fighting a 14 year old in the middle of the field. Yeah, starts beating him, the crap out of the him Yeah, and ends up chasing him back to the shelter and then realizing like, oh, this is the kid who's been stealing food from us and tells him he's going to take him to the police while a four year old is crying in the background. Yeah. Also, when he takes us to the police, it's police, like, "Yeah, okay, yeah. all right." He's like, hey, he's You been been clearly my beat things. this guy.
1: He's like, "All right, getting all the stories from both sides and saying everything that happened." Uh, you can go. Like, what do you mean I can go? He's been stealing my food. He's like, "Well, I mean, if I'm looking at this kid, it kind of looks like uh, you beat beat him up a lot. In fact, I might be willing to say it's assault."
0: Yeah, and like is
1: <laughs> grabbing his sword.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> he, he kind of gives it like. You don't see it a lot in animation, but he's giving him a give me a reason look while yeah. he's telling him this too. <laughs> yeah. Um
3: so yeah, uh, he gets let off not really lightly. He
0: doesn't have food. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't get arrested. I mean, even then. But
2: <laughs> what else? Whenever that he's leaving do? the
0: yeah. yeah, whenever he's leaving the police station, he, you know, is beaten up quite a bit and uh is waiting for him outside, which you know, of course the four year old followed them out because, you know, the one person she depends on throughout all of this Gets taken away by an angry farmer and whenever they get out of the police station he just has another moment where he breaks down and she just hugs onto his leg and tells or asks like tell me where you're hurt mm-hmm. like
3: do we need to take you to somewhere because um it's like, like, maybe, yeah do we have to take you to the doctor you can tell him where it hurts and it's just one of those things like how like <laughs> what do you tell a four-year-old yeah
0: yeah
1: that part's probably that part's probably the most heartbreaking part for me.
0: Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the most heartbreaking parts for me. Uh, there's yeah. that. Uh, like I said in the book, bu- or in the book, they talk more about how bad it, uh, of an issue of lice was. But this is probably one of the first times you see yeah, the lice problem where he's combing her hair, and it's just like it looks like dust is falling off until you look closer at it, and it's just a bunch of lice that he's yeah. coming out of her hair because like yeah. you can't do anything. They can't even cut it. They, there's nothing to cut it
3: with. Yeah. yeah. It's Which, just, like, him being constantly frustrated, trying to
0: get the lice out of the comb,
3: and just, it's sad. It's
0: yeah. terrible. I mean, I think probably for me, one of the more heartbreaking scenes is whenever he finally does take her to the doctor, and the doctor just says, like, oh, well, she just needs to eat. It's like, well, can you give her a shot or something? Like, she's sick. It's like, I don't need to give her a shot. She just needs to eat. Like Get her some food. Get, um, get her some food, some white meat, some protein in her diet, something like that, and He's like, well, there's nothing you can do for us. And he's like, I'm sorry, like just get her something to eat. And he just yells, like, How the hell am I supposed to find food for her? Yeah, where? Where is where to eat? And the guy just kind of looks at them like, what do you expect me to do about it? Yeah. It just a scene of frustration more than anything, but it just it's heartbreaking to see that. Yeah. They're just like, they know what the problem is and it's an easy fix, but they can't it's so close yet so far is what it is.
1: Yeah.
3: And um something we have failed to actually the talk about, huh? The candy. That, too. That's also a very, like, important thing.
1: But the father. Yes. Yeah. Um. He's part of the Navy. Yes, he is in the Navy, and so that's why he's not been around the entire time. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the big hope that they keep carrying around is, like, well, we sent letters to, to Dad, and he's in the Navy, and he'll come back, and he'll save us, and everything's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. And we you just got to hold out until Dad comes back. And you never hear from him.
3: Yeah. And, like... Uh, we were talking about candy. uh, One of the things that he managed to get is like this little tin full of little uh, hard candy, Mm -hmm. and like he constantly lets uh Setsuko have one every now and then, and um, it kind of you know it's metaphorical for like hope, basically. Yeah. And as like it goes on, it
0: eventually runs out, like to the point that after it's run out, he fills it up with water and has her drink the water out of it to get all the different flavors. Yeah. Like yeah, the but, the little glimmer of anything,
3: <laughs>
0: but <laughs> eventually, whenever they ran out of candies to put in there, she put her marbles in there too. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, basically around this point,
3: uh, he goes back to the bank to try to get anything, and he overhears the people behind him saying like, "Ah, oh, damn, we surrendered," and he's like, "What do you What do you mean?" And he's like, "What do you You didn't hear, kid? We we surrendered unconditionally," and like him panicking. And, like, what about all the navies? like, they're sunk. There are none. And, like, it just sets in everything, basically. He's like, Dad's dead. There's nothing left.
1: Yeah.
0: Which kind of also goes to the thing of, like, since the war is over, they're they're not rationing quite as much, so he's actually able to buy some food at this point, but Mm -hmm. it ends up turning into almost too little too late. Because yeah. at this point in time, like, because you've been watching them wither away at this point, but, like, Setsuko's at the point where she can't even, like, stand on her own two feet. Yeah. And this... he eventually does come back with food for her, which even during all this time, too, like, uh, uh, one thing that it does point out in the book, too, whenever he asks her, like, hey, like, what like what would you want to eat? And, like, tempura was the first thing that she said. Uh, In the book, it actually says, like, that was a surprising thing because she never liked tempura as a kid. She always fed it to the dog.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: But just kind of shows like where starvation gets to, like you just don't care, you just need something to eat at that yeah. point, and like he does get to the point where like he's trying to feed her, and like, hey, I got some food, I'm gonna make us something to eat right now, and yeah, gives her a little piece of watermelon while she's lying there, and she says thank you to him. It's like okay, I'm gonna go ahead and get some food started, and yeah, it, and
3: she closes her eyes, and it's, it's a it's a
0: heartbreaking line. Next is it like, is it's also the only time you get well the second time you'll ever ever get narration in this movie Mm -hmm. and all he just says is she never woke up
3: it's just it's it's hard it's it's insane to like think about like again that's what i mean when there's just like there's no silver lining like yeah the war's over but like it doesn't just magically get better after a war
0: no and to think about this like in america during this time like while there were children starving in japan like there was parades being held in new york Hmm. All you know.
3: the all the all the uh, fighters came back and had sex.
0: Yeah. That's... Meanwhile, like things were just fucked in Japan. Like Japan, there's no other better Germany, way to put Russia, it. Russia everywhere. Mm-hmm.
3: America was the best, but it still was shit in America. <laughs> we still were rationing.
1: Yeah, still rationing. Homelessness was at an all-time high. Um, people would come back, and nobody really knew what PTSD was. Still. Yeah. And so there were just people who went to war and just saw all of it happen, and they have no recourse. So that's where yeah. that classic thing of like dad's angry and drunk all the time, like that's where it came from. That's why yeah. it existed.
0: Shell shocked was the only term they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which even during those times too, during World War One and World War Two, whenever they started to realize that uh, something called shell shock, it was oh he's not tough enough. Like he just broke under yeah. the pressure. Yeah. But um,
3: yeah, it's just the final scenes is he's like talking to the guy getting this big old jar and he's like here's all the charcoal and uh you can yeah use here's beanstalks to help burn
2: yeah
0: he's saying beanstalks are would help or help burn the fire and saying it's tragic that this child died but man is it a beautiful day today yeah. it's and a then, beautiful day it's such a shame yeah man. and after that uh he goes and he burn or yeah he gives her a fire pyre and uh, burns her corpse and then with after some of her
3: favorite things
0: yeah with some of her favorite things and then after the fire dies down he puts some of her ashes in one of her a uh, piece of her bone inside of that tin of uh, little candy drops that she loves so much and then kind of just I want to say almost like scenery shots after this because it yeah. kind of like sits there and lets you uh, think about like showing some Gosh. of the good times that they had together because it shows her playing around the shelter and mm-hmm. all these other different things and Kind of just showing like this is just the aftermath of what happened. Like,
3: yeah, it you get one final scene with the uh, the metaphorical version of them fully coated in red sitting on a bench, and uh, Setsuko goes to bed on his lap.
0: And then because the ending of the movie is the beginning of the movie, it just kind of comes full circle at the end of it, yeah. But yeah, that's Grave of the Fireflies. This... Movie is a rough one to get through. It's harsh. It is
1: an unforgiving film that doesn't hold your hand through any of it.
0: Yeah.
3: Again, like, you, it's really bold of a movie to start the way this one starts, where it doesn't want to even give you hope. It's like, I'm dead. You know how this is going to turn out. Yeah. And, like, by putting that in your mind at the start of the movie... It makes even the really lovely, joyous moments they get to have so sad. Because, you know, like, this is all they get. It's a tragedy. That's kind of the only way to put it. And, like, uh, you can tell it really hit home for the writer.
0: That's actually the thing that broke me. Because, like, after I'd seen this the first time, I looked more into it. And it uh, turns out, like, the, the person who wrote the original uh, story of it. I'm going to fuck up his name. That. <laughs> Akiyuki. Asuka Akiyuki, uh, who wrote the story, was born in 1913. So he would have been 15 at the end of the war. And this is more like this story is still fictional, but it's based off of real things that happened to him while he uh, during World War II and after the firestorm that took his home in Kobe. There are differences between what really happened and what happened in the story. Because I assume fits. he didn't die. Yeah. Uh, he died in 2015 at the age of 85. He lived a full yeah. life. But, uh, he did again, win. like goes back to what I was saying at the start, like 2015.
3: Yeah. And right. that was eight years ago,
0: but yeah, like he lived a full life, but, uh, he basically wrote that story. Like it wasn't even the first time that he wrote a story. Uh, he grew up to be a novelist, a songwriter and a singer, but, uh, he wrote a couple of stories and then eventually wrote grave of the fireflies. And it was his way of coming to terms with what happened to him whenever he was a teenager. And as an apology to his little sister, who in real life was two when this happened, and it was actually a case of they couldn't feed her hard food, and with what was being rationed out, like it became one of those things of, uh, you know, he lost his mom during the firestorms that happened in Kobe, uh, lived with a distant aunt who, you know, he uh, ended up getting to or in, into fights with, so he lived in a shelter with a month for with a two-year-old sister. And then eventually, whenever they were found by another cousin who took them in, it was she was already too far gone and they couldn't save her. So, he, you know, there are things that happened in the book that happened in real life. And he was saying, like, how she died in the movie and in the book was very accurate to what really happened. It's just that he had to survive with dealing with this later on. And even after he wrote the book, he was saying he can never go back to reread it because it was just too painful to go back through all of it. But it was an apology to her feeling like he failed her. And uh, with him, like, on top of that, um, during all this time before, like, uh, his father actually came back from the war, uh, he actually did go to a uh, youth detention center where uh, he actually saw more kids who were malnutritioned and uh, saw a lot more death there, too, from just from the fact that there were so many orphans from the war that had no place to go. So they went to this, this detention center and saw other kids who died of uh, because there just wasn't enough food to go around. Like, it was just rough all around. And this was his retelling of what happened of it, which makes it more heartbreaking to know, like, because you hear stories like this and then you hear like, oh, but it's fiction, even though there is always a hint of truth to something like this being a historical drama. I,
3: I think it's really disingenuous to call this fiction, because it is
0: ultimately extremely based off true events. Yeah, But... People still call it fiction, even though there is a very big base of reality of what actually happened to this guy.
2: Yeah. I
1: like, mean, it ultimately it is fiction. Right. It didn't happen in this exact way in these exact circumstances. I think that if it were made today, they would definitely have that moniker of based on real events.
2: Yeah.
3: But even that's kind of a nothing of a statement nowadays, mm-hmm, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that was... Uh, over for the fireflies. Yeah. It, it's, it certainly was.
3: Um, I am really glad I did eventually get around to watching yeah.
0: it. it. It's like we said, this movie is very much a downer. It is brutally depressing to watch and to get yeah. through it. And most people who watch it cannot watch it a second time because of how rough the subject matter is of it. But it is definitely a movie worth watching and it's a movie worth considering, considering the historical significance significance yeah thank you of what happened with this because this is also like ultimately like i said this is one story of millions that got uh, displaced during the war because you know during the americans like after they defeated germany they're thinking like well what are we gonna do about japan are we gonna fight this war for another five years and have millions of more people die uh, trying to win this thing or like what are we gonna do to try to stop this as quickly as possible and the first thing that they thought of was the fire strikes and the air raids. And like I said, there was hundreds, like hundreds of thousands of people in multiple different cities, 69 cities to be exact, that got like just completely destroyed. Uh, Kobe in general, because the thing that I found was um, to give people an idea of how brutal the attacks were during World War II. They compared them to American cities, and they were saying that Kobe was roughly about the size of Brooklyn, and for the fire strikes that hit there it'd be the equivalent of 55% of Brooklyn just going up in smoke. And the one that suffered the least amount of damage, I can't remember which city it was, uh, was like about 11%, but there's some that like 99% of the city was destroyed by these fire strikes because the whole idea was if we destroyed the Japanese economy, then they're not going to be able to fight us. And then eventually they realized that wasn't going to work and dropped the atomic bombs. And so it, it becomes like this whole thing of like, how badly Japan suffered after World War Two because of all this too, and not a lot of people talk about the fire strikes because of how crazy the bombs were, but this very much was a snowball effect of everything that happened because of it, yeah, well, and America
3: doesn't like to fully discuss what it did in the war ultimately, right,
1: no because uh, the American version is we everybody was super happy, and then Pearl we, Harbor happened, yeah. so now we had to murder everybody, yeah we had to for revenge.
3: And we definitely didn't have extreme racism against the Japanese for multiple centuries. There, centuries, decades. There,
1: there definitely weren't internment camps here in America,
3: and there definitely isn't still resentment from some
1: Americans to Japan. Uh, spoilers that uh, that that's exactly what happened. We we had actual internment camps yeah, here yeah. in the United States, don't which like, also speaking don't like of the
0: yeah, well speaking of the uh, of those internment camps, I think there's actually. Legitimately only one movie that was ever made about the Japanese internment camps and that one is like a weird 90s romance movie.
1: There is a more
0: recent series that
1: was made about them. I haven't watched it so I can't say if it's good. I can't say if it's accurate at all. Uh, I think it goes into more of a horror realm. Um, As it probably should in some ways. Yes. Um, I can't even remember the name of it but it's it's a sequel series to something that's based off
0: of a book. Hmm. Hmm.
1: It's very strange.
0: But yeah, like Don't get me wrong, there's like evil things done by all sides, but they, especially growing up and listening to history, they basically made it seem like America had to go in and defeat evil during World War II, even though like everybody did fucked up things in World War II. Like America did fucked up things to to all of Europe and Japan. Uh, Japan has been known for doing some really fucked up things before the war and during the war. Uh, Germany. Some of
3: which they still deny. Yeah,
0: they still deny. It. Um there's a film series in China called uh, Men Behind the Sun that talks very specifically about a lot of fucked up things that Japan did. Korea and Japan still have an immense hatred because of it. Mhm. Uh there's that um God, there's a lot of events like there's a reason why there's such a hatred between China and Japan too and like why they're always at each other's necks. Like it we could probably go on for hours about all the yeah. fucked up things that happened because of World War 2 and during World War 2. War has no winners.
3: That's kind of the takeaway. Yeah, that we're getting at. Uh
0: this is also kind of showing like some of the more sufferers cause, like the especially with the fire attacks like I was talking about, the most of the people who were affected by these were women, children, and the elderly because like they were displaced and had nowhere to go, either that or they had no way of escaping the fires that happened to them. Yeah. And it's a story that's not told as often. This is one of the few movies that actually does talk about it that made it to the Americas and it's Honestly and it got very, a shitty dub. It got a shitty dub, but it's still at the end of the day a very powerful statement though.
3: I almost wish it got delayed like another decade just so it could probably have a much more like a deserving of a dub.
0: Yeah, I would like I
1: would like to see a new dub done of it. It's a shit because like there there's a reason
3: that it's not on streaming everywhere is that a lot of people can't handle a movie like this. Yeah, yeah there's
1: should, not yeah. a lot of demand. It's like, hey everybody, do you wanna watch the one you where f- you watch children die slowly? <laughs> You want to feel bad for about an hour and a half? Yeah, it's uh, it's not one of the things that that people are mm-hmm. uh, clamoring for. Yeah. Well,
3: like at the same time, it really like shows how and how much preservation is important though, because like like we said, there's one place to watch this, and it's the dub. And like, if we didn't have other copies of this—that would be the only the, for many people. That is the only way they can watch this. Yeah, yeah. Which is not fair.
1: Yeah, there's a reason why I'm like real adamant about buying physical copies of yeah. movies. <laughs> well, and like
3: me and Drive will give HBO Max so much shit. Yeah, because yeah. It's important to have access for Accessibility. these things to be accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but final thoughts yeah. on this. Yeah, we film. should probably start getting to the final thoughts because like we could talk about this subject forever, but. I feel like we're gonna be rambling before long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. E,
3: go for All it.
0: Right.
3: Uh, this movie is beautiful. It's heart wrenching. It's melancholic, and everyone should watch it at some point in their life. Maybe when you're a little older and can appreciate it. Um, I, it's one of those things where like, it's there's nothing that I can be like point at specifically. Like, oh yeah, this was an this is the, the pivotal part of the movie. It's like, it's a movie about the dying months of two children. So like, in a lot of ways, it's kind of just a series of events that befalls upon these children. There isn't like a central thing to focus on. Yeah. I think that's the biggest strength of the movie though, because you just see the day to day of suffering. And, I can't think of anything I would change about it, ultimately. I think it's beautiful in why it was made. I think it's extremely interesting that how it was made, it's heart-wrenching to hear about the story of the writer. Um, I kind of want to say it's a shame that it's retroactively called a Ghibli movie because I think it should be first and foremost the writer's movie. And, um, yeah, I, I don't have anything I can point at to really discredit the movie. And I think because of that, I really do just have to give this movie a 10.
2: Okay.
1: Um, I like it a lot. I do. I, um, there are some problems I have with it. Mostly with the dub. The dub, There's a lot of problems I have with the dub. I'm not even taking the dub into consideration, honestly. Um, I think there's just a lot of l- late 80s anime kind of thing. Sometimes I feel like the style works, sometimes I, it doesn't for me. Um, I think there's some stuff in here that could have used, nothing. not saying it's animated poorly, um, because it's not, I think it fits the subject matter very well, um, but there's some stuff in here that I think could use some touch-ups and stuff like that here and there on there. Um, right. I think that it could have been longer, which is w- uh, weird to say because, like, it already Shirai feels... wants more
3: suffering of these children. He wants to watch <laughs> them die even well, more.
1: Well, I feel like it's just, with it only being an hour and a half, it's a very quick turn on that. Yeah. And I feel like it could have taken its time to to make it really feel like it's been a long time.
0: Because that's, that's the biggest problem with the movie, is it doesn't feel like a long time. And during all this time, uh, I think the firebombing started in May of 1945. Yeah. This movie it, this movie ends a year. Yeah, Well, this movie ends in September, so it's about a six-month span for this movie of everything that happens. And then only about a month of it is actually sitting inside, or while they're living in the shelter. That's where most of the horrific stuff happens, and it's maybe 20 minutes in, in this movie mm-hmm. with all of that.
3: You can never guess how much movie is left at any point when no. you're watching it.
0: No, I think
1: I think it could have used another twenty twenty five minutes of movie, just to exemplify the amount of time and suffering that was there. It it it, it shows the suffering very well. <laughs> I'm not gonna say like not enough suffering. Zero out of five stars. <laughs> I needed um, these children to die longer. Um, but I feel like it would have been more powerful if they did give it more time. Um, but it is a very good movie. It's one that. You can recommend to just about anybody and say, hey, this is an important movie to watch. This is why. Sit down and watch it. And it is, thankfully, an hour and a half because people can get in and get out faster. As a person who likes a longer experience and for things to play out to their full extent, I wish it were longer. That's a me problem. I likes
3: watching seven-hour movies, though.
1: I like long films. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would give this like an 8.5. Because I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it's extremely good. And I would probably recommend it to most people with the caveat of being like, there's some people who just can't take stuff like this. Also, it probably wouldn't help people we who were racist. No, wouldn't do anything <laughs> for that. No. They'd be like,
3: yeah, fuck the Japanese.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some people that I work with. I could imagine
0: being pretty terrible. Uh Robbie, your thoughts? So, also, I do absolutely love this movie. This is only the second time that I've seen it, but even though before that, this is a movie that's stuck with me for a very long time, and I think that's a sign of a good movie, is something that sticks with you well after the credits have rolled. And this is definitely one of those movies. Like, I feel like if you can, you can watch it once and never forget it, um... One thing that I disagree with Dry about is I think this movie somewhat was harder for me the second time around than it was the first time around, but I had a better expectation of like what was going on the second time around, and like those little small details that I didn't notice before that I did notice the watching it the second time around. You weren't distracted by the delivery of the lines. <laughs> well, there's that, and like some of the small details that they put into it, like uh, because food becomes like a big point of this movie. And it's something like, you know, reading the novella and then watching the movie, too, uh, seeing how, like, they were basically just skimmed off. Like, everybody was watching out for themselves more than them. And because of that, like, they got the short end of the stick the entire ride of this film.
2: Yeah.
3: Like, it's definitely something you saying that made me think about it later, especially, like, thinking of, like, there's a point where the ants just, like, scraping off the bottom of the rice and then eating it rather than, you know, thinking about giving that to anyone else mm-hmm. right
0: i mean there's that and like i said there's like one scene wherever she's pouring the soup for everybody and she like reaches down to mm-hmm. like where all the meat and all of the rice and everything else is at the bottom of it for her family and they're just like skimming the broth off the top for the two orphans that she took in and like just kind of shows of like they were in a shitty situation there's nothing that anyone did to help them throughout this entire yeah. thing and it's it's does sit with you for a long time when yeah. you really stop to think about it. And like, it's, I can't think of a more perfect way for, to put it for this movie. Like most, like most mediums dealing with uh, the suffering that happened during world war two are short media, but they're just trying to prove a point of like what happened. And this did prove its point. But I think the only thing I could say that there's not enough medias that talk about, you know, some of the, what happened afterwards for the firestorms because they yeah. all tend to focus on the bomb that dropped afterwards. Yeah. And,
3: um yeah. probably knows a lot more than I would in this situation. I do want more like if if I want to watch a war movie, I want more of this stuff like how it affects the main people, the civilians. Yeah.
0: And to be fair, when it comes to most war movies, like it doesn't show what's happening with the civilians. It mm-hmm. always follows the soldiers and this is I think makes it just that much more important to tell stories like this. And this is a case of like, there need to be more stories like this. Uh, I, I think it's done beautifully. Well, I have, a, like I said before, I have a hard time faulting it for like literally anything. I think the only thing for me is I think the first time that I watched it, seeing him die at the beginning of the movie almost felt like uh, it almost lessened it because uh, I almost felt like it would have been more powerful seeing that scene at the end of the movie. Than seeing it at the beginning, but I think that's just my personal take on that. Yeah. Uh, that's very much just nitpicking. If I had to like search for nitpicking of this movie, other than that, like it is an animation of its time too. But it it's still like everything about this movie is great. I I probably also give it a ten. I think it's just very well done. It's just hard to sit through and watch it because knowing what's going on with it and the subject matter.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh,
3: yeah, so that's Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, Stay tuned for us to not watch a sad movie for a bit.
1: <laughs> no sad movie for the next couple weeks.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll need it. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. But, um, yeah, so uh, anyone listening, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we have a link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash L-O-I-P. Gives you a link to all the places we have the podcast on. Uh if you're listening to this, you probably know where you wanna to listen to it. <laughs> uh we have all our social media, which is very important to get updates on everything. And our Twitch stream where we play video games. Wow. Ooh. Uh when this comes out, try a Mayor uh maybe we'll be done with Kentucky Route Zero. Maybe probably M- not. May- maybe question mark. Depends how much he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um Act four's gonna be real long from what yeah. I understand. So probably not, but he'll probably have another week or two. And uh Robbie will be playing a special game. I don't know if he remembers what I told him. Probably not. Nope. Yeah, so I won't say it here, so he could be like,
0: wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, surprise game.
3: But uh, that should be going on for a week or two after this episode comes out. And uh, yeah, so thank you all for all the support, of course.
1: Yes, thank you all so, so, so much. Um, to having people that actually listen to this on a regular basis and like watch our streams, it's like, cool. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Robbie, thank you mm-hmm. for presenting, because that's, I didn't want to. <laughs> this movie's a lot. <laughs> this movie is a lot, and that's why whenever you
0: suggested it, I was like, I, I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I, I needed to see it. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, like we've been talking about this movie for a while, like, off set to say, like, we need to show this to E, because at, we, as we kept on saying throughout this entire thing, it is a movie that needs to be watched at some point in your life.
1: I Mm -hmm. think it was probably three or four months into the podcast we're like, oh, we gotta show E. Gray with the fireflies. Yeah. Yeah. And we kept putting it off.
3: And then we kept watching different depressing movies. Yeah.
0: Yep. But eventually we pulled off the band-aid with this episode. Mm -hmm. like specifically said, we're doing it this year. We're starting
1: with it. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you everybody. Thank you, Robbie. Mm -hmm. Thank you, E. Yeah. We'll be back at you guys very, very soon with more movies, more games, more all of it. Uh, More books. We're gonna start a book club. That'd be oh, like super fun, actually. But no, we don't me, have that much time, actually. Um, <laughs> it would be kind of boring for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, everybody out there, thank you again. We'll talk to you very soon. Have a good one.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.